This is an RNZ podcast. Kia ora and welcome to the Kim Hill Collection. It's probably fair to say Camille Parlia is one of the more controversial feminist thinkers of the 20th and 21st centuries. She's strident, she's unapologetic, she's fearless, she's very difficult to categorise and she's completely at ease with making enemies. She joined Kim here in April 2018, nominally to discuss her new book, but as you might expect, the conversation goes in some unexpected directions. Hope you enjoy. Sex is dangerous and contemporary feminism is doing women a disservice by infantilising them, overprotecting them, preventing them from taking full responsibility for their sex lives. In a newly published collection of Professor Camille Paglia's writings, we read women will never know who they are until they let men be men. Let's get rid of infirmary feminism with its bedlam of bellyachers, anorexics, bulimics, depressives, rape victims and incest survivors. Feminism has become a catch-all vegetable drawer where bunches of clingy sob sisters can store their mouldy neuroses. In 1990, Professor Parley became an overnight academic celebrity with her book Sexual Personae, which argues that great art derives from tension between Dionysian lust and Apollonian rationality. She describes herself as a libertarian feminist. Her latest collection is called Free Men, Free Women, Sex, Gender, Feminism. And I asked her what she makes of the Me Too movement. I'm of mixed minds about it. That is, um, I, I love the idea that women are now being empowered to resist okay, all uh, unwanted sexual advances in any situation, whether professional or social. Um, but I am really, I really do not approve of um, people um, re- resurrecting old incidents that occurred years ago. In some cases some cases decades ago, I think that is a kind of um, infringement of other people's uh, civil liberties. Uh, so what I, what I have been counseling since I arrived on the scene uh, so many decades ago uh, is my philosophy of Amazon feminism, which is if a man offends you in any way, uh, it is your obligation okay, to defend your own dignity as a human person by dealing with it on the spot. And what I feel is that uh, too many uh, middle-class women today in the professions are constrained by a bourgeois code of niceness. They don't want to spoil the mood. They they don't want to do something unladylike okay, by by standing up for themselves. Well, you know, my history is such that I have never let anything go by. I, this idea that somehow women lack power in the middle class professional world. Uh, women are making a choice okay, for job advancement or career advantage. They are sacrificing their own personal dignity, okay, again, as human beings. So I feel it is that women obligation to um, to be militant in every situation and to convey very, very clearly to everyone, both men and women, what they will and will not tolerate. However, if women were not in a position of power at the time to, as it were, knee Harvey Weinstein in the crotch, can they not have the right now to say, this is what happened, it was wrong, and he needs to be called on it? Well, I'm delighted with the with the fall of Harvey Weinstein, who appears to be have been a horrible boor uh, and uh, and a serial offender. But uh, in the Weinstein case, I blame all of those prating ultra liberal women of Hollywood from Meryl Streep on down 
who had clearly heard about these uh, outrages for many, many years and did nothing to protect potential future female victims. On the contrary, Meryl Streep was calling Harvey Weinstein God okay, at, at, at an award ceremony. Uh, the gross hypocrisy okay, of, the, of, of people throughout the Hollywood film industry in the case of Weinstein is to be condemned. The big question, as you've written, is whether this wave of revelations will aid women's ambitions in the long run or whether it's already creating further problems by reviving ancient stereotypes of women as hysterical, volatile, and vindictive. Do you think that's the case? Yes, I'm very concerned that uh, that women will be losing job opportunities, as well as opportunities for mentoring and for close personal relationships with men uh, in power in their professional hierarchy because of this. I think that it's, it's inevitable, okay, that watch out for women, watch out, okay, because they seem to go along and they seem to smile, they seem to approve, they say nothing, and then all of a sudden, like vipers, they come out of the closet five years later, 10 years, 25 years later. Uh, you know, again, I, I think that my philosophy uh, of, the, of Amazon resistant feminism is actually best, uh, that w- women should be clear about what they want. In my opinion, okay, w- women are often not clear. They're not quite sure what it is they want. It, it, in the back of their minds, in some cases, there actually is, oh, is this is my boss a potential erotic partner or future husband? I, mean, I, th- I, I do think there's an undertow of that in many cases. I myself in graduate school witnessed so many affairs going on around me between my friends, my fellow students, and uh, professors. And I, I thought nothing of it at the time. It was the late 1960s, and it was a period of the sexual revolution. I thought it was quite sophisticated. But in retrospect, I look back and I see what a disaster this was for the women in question in terms of their long-term development of an independent voice as critics. And I saw also that the men uh, professors who were married seemed to sense a certain compliance in women who they pursued. I I myself uh, stood my ground in in ways that were against my career interest. I I could tell a story of of a a major incident where, where I fought back or rather made a huge scene on the street, half blocked down, okay, from the Hall of Graduate Studies, okay, with my uh, dissertation advisor. I, I was I was compromising uh, the, potentially my entire future career. But I stood up for myself. I would not permit any man to put his hand on me, even in a friendly way, because that is the testing way that men start, right? And men are looking, okay, for someone who is willing. I was not willing. I, I stood up for myself. I fought back in, in other embarrassing situations where where I just made a scene okay if any man in, in any way violated my personal sense of dignity and I believe that women have to follow my path right, and not that of postponing their protests for a, de- you know, a decade down are you sure that your Amazonian nature is not blinding you to the fact that a lot of women have no power and no choice well, I feel that working class women are the ones right, who have no power and no choice. They may be absolutely dependent on that job right, to support themselves and their families, their dependents, and so on. But excuse me, okay, I, we are talking here primarily about upper middle class professional women affluent with the highest, brightest Ivy League degrees. Okay, No, it, it, what I see constraining them is career interest right, and this bourgeois code I have to continually you know, bring people's attention to. The bourgeois code says that women must, must use low voices and, and have very decorous body language and not do anything to obstruct the, you know, the stream of companionality right, and harmony in a, in a social environment or a work environment. I have been in, in 
you know, in rebellion against the bourgeois code for my entire life. I am the product of an Italian immigrant family, all four of my grandparents and my mother were born in Italy. And my, my grandfather worked in a shoe factory. But my, my parents' generation admired the bourgeois style <laughs> of the United States and, and wanted me to behave like that. I have, I have been in rebellion against that for my entire life. I am too loud. Okay? I, uh, you know, I, am, I am too antagonistic. I am too aggressive for the bourgeois code. It's held me back in my career in American academia. There's no doubt about it. That's why my entire career has been spent at art schools where I'm surrounded by actors and musicians and, and so on, people who don't notice my extreme anti-bourgeois voice and manner. Okay? So this is what I think is the main problem. Contemporary feminism has failed to acknowledge how much of the problem of women's unhappiness is coming from their constrainment, their imprisonment within the current bourgeois code. It is not about men, okay? It is about women failing to do adequate sociological analysis of their own manner and expectations in life. You are transgender, or as you've described it, of a, a non, you're a non-gendered entity. Does that, is that a cause or an effect of your political views? Do you know what I mean? Well, it, I, I, the, the, the new term transgender is very convenient uh, to describe my strange personality. There is no doubt that, that, that the, um, the primary motivation of my entire career, the singularity of my, my worldview, was coming from my position between the sexes. I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know exactly how it originated, whether a scientific test could find out if I'm biologically interested sex, but there's no doubt okay, that I have never identified <laughs> with either sex. Okay? Um, I, I've never felt like a, a woman. On the other hand, I've never felt like a man either. And this is why I am um, somewhat suspicious or, uh, or uh, perhaps I should say anxious okay, about this trend for so many young women who feel the same way as I did at adolescence to leap into surgical and medical interventions. I, I, don't, I don't really approve of that. I think it is far more radical to remain in a fluid state. That, that, that is the true freedom. Not, are, people, not, are people leaping yeah. into that? I mean, you've suggested that it's relatively common for misguided adults to seek medical intervention for their children who behave like the opposite gender. Mm -hmm. But is, is that really happening? Is it easy for parents to do that? Yes, I think it's it's becoming a kind of a trend, certainly in the in uh, in North America. Really? <laughs> I believe it it is, and I I think it's dangerous because uh, I myself uh, I feel lucky that when I was young I never heard it, even uh, even a prayer of an idea that one could actually change uh, one's body, okay, in a surgically. If I had ever heard that, I would have become obsessed with the idea that that was exactly my problem that I was the wrong sex and that I had to make a physical change I, I, and I think that um, you know I, I have said that uh, you know transgender surgery uh, opens uh, one door but it closes many others I think that there uh, that, that uh, the situation is quite serious I, I don't want to take anything into my body I don't want to be dependent on the pharmaceutical industry and on doctors Doctors issuing prescriptions, okay, for hormones for the rest of my life. What what that is? That is a new servitude. If you have never felt like a woman, how can you speak on behalf of women? Well, obviously, my my writing, okay, struck people when my first book was published in 1990. But, but the way I was able somehow to identify myself with both genders, either genders, all right? in fact, that was part of the reviews of Sexual Personae when it when it was when it appeared in 1990, was that somehow they said that she has this a strange ability to see sexuality from both sides, all right? and I and I believe I have done that. My re 
research was massive for that book. You know, that book is 700 pages long. It was massive. I absolutely ransacked the history of anthropology. And, you know, of course, I'm, I'm deeply, you know, immersed in literature. That was my, my first, uh, you know, that was my doctoral degree and so on. So I think that I have the ability to identify myself with both genders, which is why I call for fairness to men. And I, I think that women are currently making a very serious mistake to imagine that they will feel better about themselves and they will find happiness in life if they can just make men change to this prescription of what women want them to be. And I say no. I say no. I say, I say let that great distance between the sexes remain. That is the sizzle of sex. Right? And we, we are not helping ourselves as individuals or as a species by constantly hectoring and haranguing and saying, men, you must be like women. <laughs> I think there are many, many problems in current heterosexual relationships that are, that, that are issuing from a systemic problems that have to do with the transition, as I have often written, uh, for the transition from the agrarian period into this industrial and post-industrial era. I think we are living in a, a kind of unnatural way, at least in North America, um, where, women, where people are very distant okay, from uh, biological realities. I think that the, the erasure of biology, the study of biology from uh, gender studies has been an absolute intellectual disaster that, um, that, you know, that it's like nonsense. What, what people are studying um, in, uh, in the, the highest universities right, uh, as, and that calls itself gender studies is a tissue of lies and nonsense. It's can't. Why? What are they saying? They're saying that gender and uh, the, the gender is totally socially constructed, that there is no basis whatever in hormones or in biology, that, uh, that, and that we have the power to create ourselves by what we want to be, when in fact what I'm arguing in my work is that sex is, I said this in the very, the very first page of Sexual Personae, sex is an intricate intersection of nature and culture, uh, and, they, and you, in order to write about sex, I understand it, you must uh, study history and anthropology, but also biology. Right? And, and even psychology is currently missing you know, from, from gender studies. I mean, gender studies is absolute dogma nonsense. I cannot believe what, 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 the, what young women are being taught by these, um, by these people. Okay? There's only is... one point of view in gender studies, the social constructionist view. And, and, the, and the people who are espousing the, these ideas have not made any deep scholarly study okay, of the history of mankind. Uh, Judith Butler, I happen to is like the, the you know is the doyen okay of this view of gender studies, and I happen to know her. She was a student when I was a raging Amazon feminist, a faculty member at Bennington College in the 1970s. I I I saw her okay, and I and I she transferred to Yale, and was exposed to French post-structuralism, which was the ticket to ride in that period of the 1970s. Right, and all she's done is gone around rubber stamp. French post-structuralism on gender, and it's absolute nonsense. Yours is quite a subtle argument then, given that I think you do not subscribe to biological determinism, do you? Not at all. Not at all. Okay? We, uh, human beings are a combination of the two, two elements. Right? But what I'm saying is that, um, is that sex is primarily animal instinct. I mean, it's absolute madness to imagine okay, that we are not in some way subject to nature's impulses and messages in ways we do not know. The brain has many areas. I, I, I believe I'm a, I'm a product of the 1960s. Uh, it was the back to nature period. I believe very, very strongly uh, that there are that we are following often impulses and attractions okay, and instincts that, that, are, that are irrational, that are coming from, from the de a deep level. But the the idea of, of any kind of subconscious or unconscious motivation in sex has been completely erased, you see, because Freud was thrown out by all those neurotics okay, who, who began second wave feminism. 
like Kate Millett. I mean, so, so many of these, I mean, Kate Millett, who then had a whole series of nervous breakdowns and institutionalizations. So there, I tried to join second wave feminism, right? but my feminism was already in place since the early 1960s. I, you know, I, I, I have a letter, you know, that I, that's, uh, you know, that's reproduced in my book uh, where I, I wrote, I was age of 16, you know, 1963 to Newsweek magazine calling for equal opportunity for American women. I was inspired by Amelia Earhart. When when second wave feminism burst out later in the decade, I had already evolved in my thinking beyond that where these women were beginning. I tried to join the women's movement. I had I had nearly had a fist fight over the Rolling Stones. This was a period when hard rock was, was declared to be absolutely reprehensible and sexist by these women. These women were for, absolute fanatics Okay, absolute fanatics. Okay, and, and, and practically every practically every one of the leading feminists, including Gloria Steinem in the United States, had some sort of disorderly family life, a, a traumatic childhood, right? That led, led led them to denigrate men and to hate men, right? So and we have these these people walking around, right? Who in some way are who are espousing. A, a, a dogma of hatred of men. They're injecting young women with neurosis. Okay, I want reconciliation between the sexes. Okay, I don't want this eternal sex war going on that is being promoted by feminism. I'm talking to Professor Camille Palia, whose latest work is a collection of her writings called "Free Women, Free Men." Let's go back to your description of sex as a, a dark, primitive, natural, and unharnessable force. You've also said society is an artificial construction. It's a defense against nature's power. And surely what contemporary feminism is arguing is that society needs to amend that dark force within men that causes rape, actually. Is that arguable? Well, what I, one of my most notorious sentences from Sexual Personae uh, is, okay, there are no female uh, Mozarts, okay, be, wait, wait, let me get it correctly. There is no female Mozart because there is no female Jack the Ripper. Right. And what I've said is that male intelligence has, has long long been known to um, to to um, to, to be energized at two different extremes, right? that of extreme genius and that of extreme criminality. And women's intelligence in general and their gifts in general uh, come at the great middle okay, of, you know, of human uh, faculties. Right? So we don't have uh, these driven geniuses of the Mozart or Leonardo type. At the same time, we don't have these serial killers. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's, it should be quite obvious, or it was obvious to my generation, which knew Alfred Hitchcock's masterpiece, Psycho, all right, all right, that that you can have, you know, these these psycho that sexual psychology can be extremely distorted in 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 the male brain. Right? It is very very rare that you get um, in women the kinds of um, conceptual rages okay, that that produce uh, you know, every kind of atrocity. Um, I, I did all this study into psychopathology when I was uh, a graduate student at Yale, all right? and I I think that part of um, the problem today is that uh, middle class uh, students of both genders are being trained in a way as to suggest that, well, the whole world can in some way be made nice, that that human behavior can in some way be made predictable. I am interested in in the actual human record, which shows the the derangement and genius. And there's reason to fear, there's reason to to, admire and glorify the human record, but then there's also barbarity and brutality beyond measure, a, a descent Incent to primitivism that's absolutely inevitable. It's, it's inevitable when law and order breaks down. You get an upsurge okay, of the grossest kinds of crimes. And, uh, and so, I, what I see is being presented to young people in colleges today is a very sanitized view of human history. It's like a Victorian period again. Uh, there's a kind of philanthropic um, uh, compulsion in people to erase from the human record the actual horrors 
of human behavior, which once people learned about by reading Dostoevsky. You know, all these sort of big, heavy books are gone now. Okay, in this this new world, young people um, in the, in their world of social media, in their in their iPhones and so on, uh, they have no sense whatever. Okay, of the horrors of human history. You see, it does strike me as weird. That on the one hand, you're defending men. You're saying men have been badly treated. Men need to be honoured as men. Mm-hmm. And yet you're a whisker away from saying all men are rapists. Oh, no. not no, I, I have absolutely rejected that. I, mean, I reject the entire idea of rape culture or anything like that. I mean, I think that sexuality for men and women is quite different biologically. I, I've written about that in Sexual Persona, you know, where I say that the penis is an extension of the hand or the arm, it, it, it is it, it moves outward. It seeks new experiences, and that when a woman has sex, she is she is permitting someone to enter her body, to enter the most sacred place of her body, which is which is the entrance to the womb, and it's and it is categorically different than let's say male homosexuality with anal sex. That is not you know the the anal area is not equivalent okay to um to the vaginal passage to the to the womb which is the place of mystery where all human beings are, are you know conceived and 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 nurtured and born and so on so i see i think there is all kinds of um you know of, of symbolic differences between the sexes that have to be understood i think i think I, and i don't want to neuter men okay i think that you know again that the sizzle uh, between the sexes is coming from distance. Okay, to, to try to to revise men down to be to be a kind of a proxy women, which I think that is the impulse of too much uh, of contemporary feminism. I think it's a terrible mistake. I identify with the generation of feminists of Amelia Earhart and Catherine Hepburn, ju- which is the 1920s, 1930s, just after women won the right to vote in the United States, and and they admired men. Okay. They, they admired what men had done, and their feminism is my feminism, which is which demands equal opportunity for women okay, in the professional workplace, to, so that women can show that they can achieve the same level as men. That's all. What I what I'm also saying in my work is that you cannot legislate the private life, right? Feminism should be about the public life, the public realm. Right? We, you are not in control of yourself and your and your sexual attractions right? in the private world. Right? So that so this is this is kind of a mix up here. Okay? Uh, I think that feminism has exceeded its mission. Okay, when it when it thinks that it can legislate changes in the human psyche, I think that's a, that's a terrible delusion. I'm talking to Professor Camille Pallier. If we accept, as I guess we must, the dark primitive force of sexuality, as you describe it, does that mean that we accept men who are in thrall to it because they may be Mozart's as well as Jack the Ripper's? Oh, not at all. I, 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 you know, I must you say that you, you know, I'm a career college teacher. Okay? I've been teaching for over 40 years. And I was in the forefront of, um, of developing moderate sexual harassment guidelines for my university all the way back in 1986 when no one was really thinking too much about this. Now, of course, those regulations are, are, are mandatory. But I thought that, it, that, uh, that they were necessary for, for art schools where uh, you often don't have a situation of the teacher speaking from the, uh, you know, in front of a classroom, but actually in performance where a dance teacher may have to put his arms around someone to show you know the proper use of the, of the arms or in uh, pl- playing the cello the same thing okay there's there is there's kind of a, 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 opportunities you know for personal contact in the arts that there are not in a conventional university setting so i absolutely believe in the law and I, and um you know my, my tradition the italian tradition is very strict okay about that what is what is correct behavior and what is not toward women right? uh, and uh, you know in the old in the Italian countryside, a man who uh, raped a girl okay, would end up dead the next day, castrated, and you know hung on a line. Okay, I, 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 I was, I never saw okay brutality. I, I never saw uh, the uh, you know abuse of women or any any dishonoring of women in any way. The Italian rural code was extremely strict. Uh, so, but that doesn't mean 
that women were treated equally, does it? You have to realize there was a division of labor, a natural division that went on for 10,000 years. A natural division of labor. But how can you say that if you do not subscribe to biological determinism? But what I'm saying is in the agrarian world from which my family came, the sexes had very little to do with each other. They had their own realms, and 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 there was a great female solidarity. Women were with each other multi-generationally the entire day. Are you saying that that's a good thing? We are in a new world now. We are in the the post-industrial world where capitalism has made it possible for women to earn their own living and no longer be dependent upon men, upon fathers, husbands, and brothers. All right? And we, this is a new world. In this new world, we need an enlightened feminism. I am such a feminist. Right? I am trying to show women how to make their way in that career world. But what I'm also saying is that life is, and sex are far more complex than what current feminist ideology is permitting. That you need imagination and intuition okay, and, and an acknowledgement okay, of ambiguities, psychological ambiguities and compulsions, mixed motivation, ambivalence, all kinds of things you require in order now to rely on yourself and make your way in the world as a free woman. You've said that many women seem surprised and unnerved by the competitive, pitiless forces that drive the modern professions, which were shaped by entrepreneurial male bonding. In what way are people surprised and unnerved? It's not, it's not the modern capitalism they're surprised and unnerved by, is it? You're saying that they are surprised and unnerved by male behaviour. I, I think that women and men are quite different. I mean, I think the way women relate to each other is quite different from the way men relate to each other. I think there's a, there is a competitive, taunting quality to the way um, boys are uh, globally. Okay? The idea that somehow all this is being imposed you know, from above by some sort of ancient system. I mean, the, the, the sheer resemblance and the way boys, uh, um, uh, you know, hurtfully you know, quarrel with each other and uh, and uh, and have this kind of pecking order. Okay, which I, I think I think there are real. Um, Real deep dynamics in the way men behave with it. There's a cruelty, okay, a testing that goes on among boys. I have written about that in terms of the genesis of male homosexuality. I think that many sensitive and artistic boys um, are, are wounded by that, um, you know, by that ferocity of male bonding early on in the schoolyard, and that it's something that they. I think that's what what they remember when they say, "Oh, I was always gay," and I and I. And I what I'm saying is that no, you were different. Okay, you did you did not want to join the roughhousing. Okay, you felt repelled by it. You were you were drawn in other to other things in in life. And the and the same thing with girls. I think there is a a a, a strange dynamic among women. For example, I'm a great fan of the. Um, Real Housewives series. I've always been a fan of soap opera, okay, and of the way soap opera has shown um, the dialogue among women, the communication styles among women. It's quite different, okay, than that that goes on around around men. Uh, and I, I, again, I'm, I, 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 as an alienated being, this, this strange uh, you know, intersexual being, whatever, am able to, to spot these patterns. I, I have the ability of pattern recognition, and I've seen these patterns, different patterns in men, different patterns in, in women. And I think that, that this idea that, that you know, I, I'm asking for political equality, professional equality, but that does not mean sameness. The sexes are not the same. I see that... Um... The New York Times just today is running an article about the glass ceiling saying, you know, why are there more men called John than there are women in this corporation or that Congress, in fact. Is is there a glass ceiling? Should it be shattered? What is your take on that, given what you've said? I was in the forefront in the 1990s of talking about the first woman president at a time when uh, most other feminists were concerned merely with policy issues. 
uh, sexual harassment and you know and uh, abortion rights and so on, which I 100 percent support. Uh, and I, I what I have observed or in the United States is that we I think we are have been ready for a long time for the first woman president. We have women mayors, senators, governors, and so on. But women were not running okay, for the office. I, I, I have constantly said that Senator Dianne Feinstein of California should have been our first woman president. Similarly, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, who's risen to the highest rank of any American woman in history, uh, did not put herself forward. All right, I think that they know perfectly well okay, what a brutal a process running for president in this gigantic country of the United States is. Uh, they, they would essentially be giving up several years of their lives you know, to it. So what I, what I see also uh, in even in um, other, other kinds of jobs is that women don't necessarily want that kind of all-absorbing um, position at the very top, which would mean they would sacrifice family time, personal time, uh, you know, time with their with children and, and so on. I mean, I think that um, we want women to rise to the very top. I think Angela uh, Merkel has uh, demonstrated a, a wonderful combination of um, of, uh, of political realpolitik along with a, a persona that is very humane and very human. That is, she's someone who has interests, gardening and cooking and going to the opera and so on. Uh, in our in the United States, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton has not been a good role model, in my view, because her entire prominence has been due to her attachment to a man. She's never actually uh, achieved anything in the jobs that she got as senator or as secretary of state and so on. All right. And she, what she shows is a kind of compulsiveness uh, of, um, in, in her campaigning. Uh, it's almost as if she's fleeing something in herself. She does not have a, a normal life. She does not have normal interests. I want women leaders to be normal people, okay, with, with actual, actual um, emotional lives. I think that Senator Dianne Feinstein, okay, and Nancy Pelosi um, have, have, have shown that at, at, in, in their decision not to actually run for president. This is an insane system that we have in the United States. I, I would hope that someday we could adopt a more limited kind of campaign season that would be, as in the British style, just a few months long. I think that would draw many more women into campaigning and competing for the top spot. We have a prime minister who is pregnant. I'm wondering, ah. I'm wondering what your take on that is. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I think I think it, I think any time that we have a, you know a woman leader who also has you know a genuine private life and a in a warm warm personal relationships you know at the family level, I think that's a, that is a great advantage. Is it a mistake to challenge sexual stereotypes because you're portraying a world in which there is a a dominant male? And a submissive female. Not at all. What? What? Where have I ever said that? I mean, good lord! As the proponent of Amazon feminism, where have I yeah, said that? Yeah, but Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel is not an Amazon feminist. Angela Merkel, you praise because not only is she a high-ranking politician, but she's also got those what we might call mumsy virtues of gardening and cooking. Yes, what I'd like the idea of you know of of politicians having a warm, rich, private life. That's all I'm saying. Okay, uh, I'm both also, men and women. I like the I like the way that she has not presented herself as a figure of glamour. Okay, that she uh, you know she's not she dresses in a rather ordinary manner. She doesn't spend a huge amount of time on her hair. And this is where Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, traveling with his, someone to do her hair and and and, 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 and bar. Uh, Hollywood techniques, you know, for her for her facial creams and uh, and her fashions and so on. I, I mean, this is not the way I, you know. I think that a serious woman politician should present. No, herself. but it might go. I like to... Angela Merkel because of, because of her ordinariness. It might go to the American culture, however. I mean, if Hillary Clinton wore a sack and didn't put her lippy on, then would she have got past first base? 
Well, you see, um, like Nancy Pelosi has a rather stylish, you know, self-presentation, but it's subdued, and and she knows herself. She knows her own look. She's not relying on people to dress her. Okay, Hillary has this, has crews to people to dress her for heaven's sakes. You know, and uh, you have um, you know Senator Dianne Feinstein who found a certain sober look. You know, that is not high fashionista. Um, you don't have her. Uh, either of those two women running off to get uh, $300 haircuts, uh, you know, at, uh, at the most expensive place in Manhattan. All right, I, I'm I'm sorry, it, it grates on one. I, I think the reason is that Hillary is is it's not natural to Hillary. Okay, to um, her self presentation is not natural, and that's why she has had to rely on so many uh, Hollywood advisors and so on. There's there's just an there's an artificiality. And on a naturalness okay, to to Hillary and everything about her. That's why I'm not I'm not in the least surprised okay, that um, you know about her problems in getting elected. I'm talking to Professor Camille Paglia, whose latest work is a collection of her writings called "Free Women, Free Men." You have said uh, notoriously that if civilization had been left in female hands, we would still be living in grass huts. Given that, should women now have a degree of power? Well, what I what I meant by that uh, that maxim, okay, was that uh, it's men who have devised the major structures and systems of civilization, including architecture, stone architecture, um, irrigation projects, and so on. And I admire that in men enormously. Uh, in, in, so what I'm saying about the grass huts is that that's the hearth, okay? That and that is the also the um, you know, the hunter gatherer, you know, stage of, of, of human life, where you have the women just going out and, and, and collecting berries and and you know. And, Storing the pots and so on and so forth. I mean, I I feel that um, it's men who push out, uh, you know, uh, push push the borders of human life outward, and and go into and risk their lives and um, you know to seek new lands and so on. I have learned enormous amount from men. I admire the great things that men have done. Okay, and I I became strong by studying what men have done, the the uh, and the, the accomplishments of men. I I have. No problem admiring men because I am strong in myself. It's only weak women who can't admire men. Right? Now I'm not saying that men have any right okay, to to dictate to women okay, in any way. For heaven's sakes, I believe in defying okay, any kind of um, authoritarian uh, intrusion coming from in, in any direction. Yep, yep, so I, I get all that. You know. But but if that mm-hmm. is true, if civilization had been left in female hands, we would still be living in grass huts. Mm-hmm. What makes women able to be as useful members of society today? Well, we 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 have this enormously complex now uh, upper middle class professional career system that women have entered into. I, it, women are not, uh, you know, crowding around necessarily to get into the kinds of dangerous physical construction projects you know, that men excel in. You know, the, the, in the United States, the the fatality rate of you know of men dying on jobs is something like ninety two percent of the fatalities of male deaths. On on the job, okay, or or deaths on the job are are male, okay, and and women are not, you don't see women uh, demanding uh, to be doing the ones, you know, know, with the hot tar pots on the roofs, okay, I I don't see them, uh, you know, going out when the, there's there's an ice storm in winter, and the uh, the power goes out, you have trees toppled on top of wires, it's the men who go out and do these dangerous things and and you know restore the electricity and uh and i you know, for example i saw just a year or two ago a scene where um there was a massive sewage break of you know sewage pipes and i saw people in uh hazmat hazard suits out there trying to clean up this a horrible squalid mess that was half a block in extent and i and i thought to myself 
there are no women there. It's men that w- women rely on. We, we rely on men to do all the grunt work, to all, do all the dirty and dangerous work, right? They, with their giant cranes, okay, uh, doing this phenomenal, you know, building of skyscrapers and so on. And then women want to bitch and complain, okay, about men, okay, when, when, when their comforts are guaranteed by men and male sacrifice. And yet, I keep on coming back to this, sorry to bang on about it, and yet you do not subscribe to biological determinism. You seem not at to, all. You not, seem at all. To, you not at all. Well, it's a civilization okay, uh, forms us. It, it forms our tastes. Uh, it forms all, so many things. And I, I have done the research. Okay, My opponents have not. I, when, anything I say okay, is based on my study of evolving and changing societies over time. Okay, I am the only one of all these feminists, okay, uh, all of my opponents, who have actually studied the entire history of mankind since the Stone Age, the ancient Mesopotamian empires, okay, right, you know, everything down to the present, okay, the, the historical ignorance, okay, of, of, you know, of my opponents is, like, shocking, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I am the only one who has this tremendously complex view of both nature and culture. No, and it's true. Not, not a single, not a single, not since Simone de Beauvoir, has there been a book by a woman like Sexual Personae that looks at both aspects of human life, nature and culture? It's true. I read a I read a review that called you one of the most misunderstood thinkers of the twentieth century, which was of course when uh, Sexual Personae came out. Let me let me just cover a couple of other uh, controversial areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pedophilia. Now, you're a libertarian. Mm-hmm. Are you a libertarian on the issue of paedophilia? Because you wrote, <sighs> yeah. yeah, at the time of the controversial Calvin Klein ad in 1995, mm-hmm. you said paedophilia is an increasingly irrational issue in the United States. Gays must valiantly defend their cultural tradition by carefully articulating its highest meanings. What does that mean? Oh, dear, yes. Uh, well, this is an issue, you see, in the history of male homosexuality, not lesbianism. Um, and uh, many, many parts of uh, sexual personae are about okay, the boy love in the ancient Greek world, uh, as, as it was also espoused in the late 19th century, most famously, of course, or notoriously by Oscar Wilde and so on. Um, it, 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 there's absolutely no doubt that that is entrenched. Okay, it, 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 I, Donatello's um, David, the Bronze David, uh, today okay, would clearly be identified as a work of pedophilia and be condemned. I mean, we can we can see aspects of this, and probably in Michelangelo as well. But okay, I think you know, in terms of our the present day, okay, the present day. Um, uh, I think that there has to be, a, you know, a, a cutoff. I think it's absolutely impossible to um, think we could reproduce the Athenian uh, code of pedophilia, of you know, of boy love, uh, that was central to culture. Okay, at that time, this is not that same period, um, and we, we we must protect children. I feel that you know very very strongly. Uh, so um, the you know the age of consent for sexual um, interactions between a boy and a in a, in an older man. I believe that you know the, it's like a, obviously disputed at what point that should be. Um, I used to think that you know 14 was uh, the way it is in some places in the world uh, was adequate. I no longer think that. I think that I think that young people need greater protection than that. So when you said gays must valiantly defend their cultural tradition, yes, I, I was talking about gay men. Gay yes, men. yes, I understand yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though, but you don't want them to valiantly defend paedophilia because it happened no, once. Uh, no, not not in real life. You know, I, I I think that this is one of those areas that we may you know have must consign to the realm of imagination and, and the history of the arts. We just simply cannot transfer that. Okay, that that absolutely very distinct paedophilia tradition that with that you know going all the way back to Plato for heaven's sakes. Uh, we can we we just can't transfer that. I think into um, 
actual life in the not not now not not in the late 20th century or early 21st century no i i came upon a statement by you which is uh, seemingly off subject completely but climate change mm-hmm. you have called a sentimental myth unsupported <laughs> by the evidence right yes well global warming okay climate change is absolutely intrinsic to the history of the earth going on for millions of years we're talking about anthropogenic climate change yes yes and so what i'm saying is that the the, the that um whatever human beings do okay it is still um very small indeed compared to natural forces that we cannot possibly fully understand and I, I you know i was raised in upstate new york where the evidence of the glacier okay still was was all around us it, it carved out uh, as the as the great glacier of 12,000 years ago you know withdrew it uh created niagara falls you know and uh, many other you know examples in the landscape of uh, so i was I I was raised with the idea of um, of climate change, but I do not believe that you know the the, the, the current politicized agenda about climate change is is based on fact. I I totally reject it. I think that um, there are so many. Uh, Factors that that are involved in temperature changes. It's not just the sun, but also we can't even begin to understand the degree to which, as the tectonic plates are moving still on the Earth, the tectonic plates which created the Himalayas, we cannot possibly understand uh, the where and how magma from the center of the Earth is seeping into the ocean bottoms and so on. So I think the, the, the entire thing is absurd, absolutely absurd. Okay? At the same time as I, I completely accept climate change as intrinsic to the history of the earth. As you claim expertise as a cultural commentator and an academic who, as you said, has done her research, why would you not respect scientists who completely understand about things like there tectonic is no, plates? This is a, Absolute nonsense that there is a, a consensus about climate change. Absolute nonsense. The people who disagree have been have been totally bullied into silence. Okay, there there is like an ideological agenda out there. Now, when I was in college, I was so I was I, I was very interested in geology and actually considered that as a uh, as a career. In fact, my geology teacher took me aside and tried to encourage me to consider going into um, geology. I have been very very interested in both geology and meteorology my entire life in fact these are you know, kind of actually themes okay, in the um, book I eventually hope to write about Native American um, culture in fact that's what I've been doing for 10 years I've been um, studying on my own okay the history of Native Americans in um, the northeastern United States in exactly this period during the withdrawal of the glacier I would love I would love to have my you know that that book if I, I hope to eventually write uh, could combine all of these themes, the history of, of um, Native Americans as well as geology and meteorology. Because I, I, these are things I, I think about uh, a lot. Okay? I, and I feel that um, early man, uh, you know, faced with these great forces, uh, actually um, adapted them into the, the worldview of religion. That this, actually, so much, so much of religion is about you know, early religion, the, the, these forces of nature. That was Camille Pallia, whose book is called Free Women, Free Men, Sex, Gender, Feminism. Uh, Fair to say she's polarised you, provocative and stimulating, or boring and intolerable.